This episode of the podcast is brought to you by our friends over at Caldera Lab. Gentlemen, first impressions matter. And if you're not taking care of your skin, people will notice, especially when you get older. Myself and Graham, we, we both know about that, don't we, Graham? We, we both know about I, that. I'm still fresh-faced. I don't know what you're talking uh, about. I, 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 I'm still a fresh-faced baby <laughs> assassin over here. Well, I'm getting more fresh-faced thanks to our it friends. Must be all that, it must be all that Caldera Lab I've been using. It is, yeah. It is. Caldera Lab. That's where it's at. Caldera Labs. That's where they come in. Their products reduce the visibility of wrinkles, fine lines, and signs of aging. Show your skin who's boss and make a great first impression with Caldera Lab. You can uh, use our promo code severe mma and get 20 percent off these guys at caldera lab have figured out skincare for men so you don't have to they just have the best products for your wellness routine um have you seen their ads check out their website i you know everyone i think has seen them now on, on social media they're really really cool um and it's you know their, their products absolutely do show it here it is caldera labs clinical trials have found 94 percent of men's skin showed an overall younger looking appearance after using their products for only a few weeks you'll be seeing their products paying off in absolutely no time and where to start with Caldera Lab is the regimen to twice a day routine to transform your skin and it includes three products the clean slate the base layer and the good that first one the clean slate starts off your day it's a face wash uh, to leave you refreshed and you have the base layer for your uh, moisturization to hydrate your skin throughout today and the good is your multifunctional serum at night that helps your skin look tighter and smoother as well as helps reduce the visibility of wrinkles and fine lines every drop of this serum is packed with 3.4 million antioxidant units protecting your skin no other brand does that better yet Calera Lab is the only brand that cares this uh, about this enough to even know and the Calera Lab Icon Serum is another great thing as well that addresses the three most common concerns around the eyes, which are fine lines, dark circles, and puffiness. And if you're an MMA fan, you know all about them after staying up really late. Uh, skincare is important, but doesn't have to be difficult. One minute in the morning and at night is all it takes to reduce your wrinkles, fine lines, and signs of aging. And just for our audience, we have this exclusive offer, and this is our best offer available anywhere. Use the promo code SEVEREMMA at calderalab.com and get 20% off. That's C-A-L-D-E-R-A-L-A-B.com. And you can get 20% off with the code SEVEREMMA. Make an unforgettable first impression that leads to the charming words, you look younger. So 20% off at calderalab.com using the promo code Severe MMA. If you would like to support the podcast and get some extra content while you're there, head on over to patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast and sign up from the rewatch to the QA. We will have loads of content every week. So sign up patreon.com forward slash severe MMA podcast. And now, here's the podcast. Graham McDonald is an idiot. Sean Sheehan of severemma.com. He even has the audacity to call himself the quote-unquote pod god. This is Severe MMA. 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 The Severe MMA podcast is finally here. Welcome to the Severe MMA podcast. Here's your host, Sean Sheehan. Welcome, welcome everybody. It's episode 433 
of the Severe MMA podcast. My name is Sean Sheehan, and joined today by the Jose Mourinho of Irish MMA media because it's episode 433. Was it Jose Mourinho that brought the 433 into English football? Uh, he was more, yeah, he was more kind of five at the back and f- four kind of. With two sitters uh, so in a lot of games. Ah, uh, he wasn't. That was more the later uh, Chelsea teams. No, that was Conte and all of them. He didn't play five at the back. No. Well, he did. He played like he did. six Inter at the back. And all, he played five at the back. Ah, uh, he played more. He was more of a six at the back type of man. You remember Marcus Rashford playing left back? 11, 11 at the back. When he came up against the team, he didn't think he could beat him. It was 11 at the back. And you know what? Didn't he beat him? So he was dead fucking right. Uh, funnily enough, Jose Marino has a bit of the Sean Strickland in him or the other, the other way around as we, uh, as we move in and talk about the, uh, the main event. Graham, Jesus, it was... It was a mad night. We all, you know, we always kind of start here now. It's becoming a regular thing of a, a, a deep overview, or, or not even a deep, uh, the opposite of deep, and a kind of a narrow or, or shallow overview of the card. And to me, this card, and I suppose for a lot of Irish people as well, was, okay, it started off with the Kiefer fight, uh, which we were all looking forward to seeing. And then there was like six hours of, okay, and then there was the main event. And it was one of those cards, I think, and I suppose for people outside of Ireland, it was probably just the main event. But, um... It was that card for a while, but then the main event was, or the main card was, was pretty good, pretty entertaining, and obviously lots of finishes and, and fun fights and madness and all of that. Um, so yeah, it turned out to be a pretty enjoyable event. But like, if the main event had a stunk the place out, I, I, maybe we wouldn't be looking back on it so favorably, but it didn't. And it was one of the, uh, oh God, it was one of the most memorable main events ever. Um, what was your reaction, Graham? Like, was it one of surprise? Was it one of shock? Was it? I'll I'll tell you mine in a minute. But what was your reaction to that main event? Yeah, well, you know, after the kind of three quarters away through the first round, I was like, oh, this fight is is not going to go the way. I, at the very start, I was like, oh, uh, uh, Izzy will probably fi- uh, figure him out. But it seemed like Sean Strickland was figuring Izzy out quicker, and Izzy was kind of stuck on the back foot. So after uh, about three quarters, I think through the through the first round, I was like, "Jesus, Izzy's in serious trouble, serious trouble here." And and Sean Strickland's striking is, uh, you know, it may not look the prettiest in terms of like, you know, like I kind of talk about flashy kicks and like elbows and you know, uh, perfectly timed knees and things. But the jab and the, the basics and everything was just it was just really good. His head movement was really good. Uh, his range was really good. His time, his timing was really good. He 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 surprised me. Sean Strickland surprised me uh, in in a lot of ways and. You know, even even the fact that after the second round, it, it had kind of swung, that round had kind of swung back and you were thinking, oh, maybe Izzy can take over. But Strickland just kept what he what he was doing, doing best, not afraid of eating uh, Izzy's strikes and just played his game plan perfectly. And it, was, it really was, a you know, for for a guy who maybe not, li- yeah, yeah, for, for a champion, maybe has limited ability, but he's extremely uh, good at doing what he does best and making it extremely difficult and and you know it may not look the prettiest it may be a bit herky-jerky and the timing may be a bit different than others but it really works and you know there's no doubt about that now when he's gone out there and done that to such a good striker like like Isabel Adesanya yeah before I suppose before I get into all that just my initial reaction to it was I don't know it was one of hilarity to be honest because like they had made this fight as kind of a throwaway fight just to get easy on the Sydney card 
the you know they had built up this big Drickets fight. It's going to be you know this massive grudge match and all of that. They had thrown away like what could have been the biggest trilogy, maybe not in UFC history, but you know up there probably top four or five or whatever the biggest trilogy we have at the moment with maybe Nate Diaz and Conor McGregor away. So it it, it just felt like. It just felt like this was just, ah, oh, kind of, you know, Man-, Man City are playing Crystal Palace type of thing and they're playing Liverpool next week type of, you know. And it did not work out that way at all. <laughs> you know, it really did not work out that way. And when those plans go to shreds, I suppose, like they did last night, I just think that is, you. there's nothing you can do but sit back and laugh and think MMA. Because it was funny, right? They, they put up a graphic at the, I don't know, the start of the main card or start of the event, and they showed like the, um, the underdogs versus um, favorites uh, win loss record for the year, and it was like something like two hundred and fifty favorites, and then like a hundred and twenty three underdogs. Like that is a massive percentage of underdogs that win. It's almost like a third of the fights is won by underdogs in like a sport which is is becoming more, uh, I suppose, polished and more, uh, you know, set in its ways in terms of the the ability that people have and in terms of the uh, the technique used, and it's still like unbelievably hard to predict as a lot of betting shows would probably uh, uh, adhere to my own included yeah, like, I wonder how many of them are like plus 600 still you know they're yeah, probably true, you know yeah. pretty close fights where it's hard to pick a lot of them but you know we do see updates and I remember or upsets and I remember a few years ago there was kind of like a running thing among betters that you should always bet on a, a, an underdog if they're plus 600 or more because over time you know it only takes one to come off and and you get it, but looking at the matchup before, I was like, oh, this is a really difficult one for Strickland to win, you know, <laughs> but that just wasn't the case. I didn't think he'd have to be able to land the power that he was able to land, and, you know, stun Izzy like he did and drop Izzy, and yeah, it was just, uh, I think, like, we all got the fight wrong and the bookies got the fight wrong, and I think even people who picked Strickland would have been surprised at how well Strickland did on the feet. Yeah, I was not at all expecting him to win. Like, I thought it could have been a fight where there were a good few close rounds, but I thought Izzy would probably just pick him off because of, you know, that lack of power you mentioned there. And, you know, Strickland has said it himself, and he hasn't even said it in kind of a, a jokey way. He was just kind of straight out saying, I remember uh, Cobb Swanson said the same thing before, and I was like, well, fair play. Like, that's, once you actually, uh, you know, once you say that to yourself, it's probably an advantage because you can do things differently and adjust your game to fight a more winning game, you know? And, and I think Strickland has definitely done that but it, it was a fight that a win that I did not see coming at all like I, it's the Holly Holm people talk about Holly Holm Ronda Rousey I remember saying before that I think Holly Holm can probably knock her out like it, that wasn't shocking I know people call that the biggest upset in UFC history it, yeah but there was like if Ronda can't get it down obviously she's you know people yeah. were laughing about how bad her striking was and how ridiculous her coach's comments were about being like Olympic boxing standard and there was like memes and gifts going around of, of her shadow striking at media it wasn't like this where you know Adesanya is kind of known as one of the best strikers ever in the middleweight division like up there you know behind Anderson Silva but close enough you know in terms of in terms of like uh, success in the middleweight division and to, to go out there and kind of get soundly beaten and you know dropped and and all that from from Strickland is just yeah it was a major major surprise how that fight went yeah it, it look it doesn't look like that big a surprise now that we've had it but if you're looking at it beforehand I would think the only two that would be up there with it in terms of top 
range fight would be Matara against GSP, but I, I, I you know, I, th- I think th- this is probably third, and I, I think number one is undoubtedly Pena versus Nunes. Like, I don't think there's ever been one like that before, where it was the undisputed goat getting beaten by someone who's kind of, you know, an average middle of the run role. Do, do you think uh, the fact that Matsera was like so? undersized and GSP tap to strikes makes it more kind of shocking. Uh, no, yes, it's more shocking, but it's not as big because GSP wasn't the goat at that time. You know, he was still at the early stage of his career and all of that. It was, you know, was uh, still a very good fighter and all that, but like Nunes was the goat at the time. Like I think as well with this, you know, pe- people think of Izzy obviously very highly. We, we look, we'll talk about how badly analyzed Izzy has been because we've been on that train for a long time. I have anyway. Uh, but, it, you know, Izzy's now four and three in his last seven fights. Like, this is, you know, Daniel Cormier goes, oh, Sean Strickland caught him on that one night. He's like, he, he didn't really catch him on that one night, though, did he? Like, he has did been... Jan, did Jan catch him on that one <laughs> yeah, night? Well? Yeah. Pereira caught him on that one night, too. You know, it's uh, it's not, it's definitely not that. But at the same time, that's taken nothing away from Strickland. But it's just saying that he isn't unbeatable. I But... I think most people, me myself and yourself included, didn't think he'd be able to be beaten by the style that Strickland bought, brought and fair play to him. Now, I think I know why Strickland won the fight, and I think it's actually pretty simple. Like, what Strickland did was not fall into the traps that everyone else does, right? And the only other person to kind of do that is, like, when... when um. Uh, when Pereira beat him, you know, Pereira's behind, he was losing, um, Izzy kind of stopped fighting at the, in the fifth round, and Pereira, you know, we've, we've talked about it many times, Pereira ended up knocking him out. It wasn't that he kind of took Pereira's, or took Izzy's game apart and beat him. Yan, uh, on the other ha- side of it, I think he did something similar to what I'm about to say, in terms of he fought Izzy in a striking match, but then was able to add in the takedowns, which got him kind of over the line, even if he was a little bit behind, it took him over the line. But this was different. This was Sean Strickland actually like reverse engineering Izzy's game almost. And what's the biggest part of Izzy's game? People always talk about it's his feints and fakes making people move so he can move in another direction and either catch them or move out of the way of their shots, right? That's what he's really, really good at. But Sean Strickland is the type of guy whose game, and I maybe, and I saw some people saying they had said this before, and maybe we uh, we should have gotten onto this too, and not even necessarily this exact thing with things similar to this in terms of uh, bits and pieces that would give Izzy problems, but Izzy's movements, his fence, you know, what, what are they to do? They're to make the other guy react so he can react to that. But the thing about Strickland is his game is just these micro adjustments all the time. So you throw something at him, he'll roll, come back. Throw something else, he'll roll, that way, come back. And it's like not big rolls, it's not big movements, it's not big steps to the left, steps to the right, step backwards that lots of fighters have to have. He's kind of in that um, uh, range all the time at the, uh, um, just kind of cantering in and out of it. He's on, he's on, do you know what he's like? Do you, do you ever see those cups, right? Where uh, they have this yoke built into the bottom of them and you lay them on your desk and you can slap the shit out of them but they won't knock over. Do you know, do you know those cups that you can't, like, they're so you don't get your computer all wet and stuff. They're those, those magic cup things. He's like that. He just stays in the one place and if you hit him, he will move a little bit but he'll just bounce right back to where he was at the first place. And that is a very difficult thing for someone who faints and tries to get you to move because he moves and he immediately adjusts. So it's not like 
a, no, a normal fighter would see an easy faint would like move massively backwards maybe, and maybe even not massively maybe it's only like a foot with their head backwards or a step backwards and then try to readjust and pop back into where they want to fight where Strickland's like move the head back move the head back just immediately does it and from that point Izzy was like well my fans are not working here what do I do right I'm going to jab out from the pressure it wasn't working he landed a few jabs and you know we could see him throughout the fight but it wasn't it wasn't as if Izzy's jab was landing over and over and over and over and meanwhile Strickland was just pressuring him and pressuring him and pressuring him and Izzy apart from the second round and I think that's why he won the second round he wasn't cutting off the cage that well at all. It's almost like as if he was allowing him to do it so that he could fight from there. But how do you fight from there? You fight from there with your fence and your jabs. The fence weren't working and the jabs weren't landing. What does he do then? He goes to the leg kicks. He did land a few leg kicks, but it didn't really move Strickland. You, you couldn't say like, oh, you know, we, we always hear, oh, his legs reddening up. His legs gone blue. I heard him saying in one fight last night. Strickland's legs weren't fucked up. Strick, he, yeah, you know, he, he didn't. Really, Izzy wasn't planting and landing them hard. He was kind of landing them on the move, and you know, in order to slow down Strickland, you know, a guy who's kind of you know marching forward and and very hard to get out of his game plan, as you said, it's just. Izzy just didn't do enough. You know, Izzy was fighting like he was ahead. And he was kind of just, you know, point fighting or, or just landing and and just not, you know, I've kind of criticized or you've kind of criticized him in the past, and I've, I, I accept that criticism. But I kind of thought, I kind of my point was that if he needed to step it up, he he can. But then he needed to step it up, and he didn't have the answers. You know, Absolutely, uh, to a pretty a pretty basic game plan really like at, at the end of the day from from Sean Strickland like taking nothing away from how well he implemented it and and, and all that but uh, yeah it, I expected Izzy to have a lot more answers and a lot more output when when he when he was behind than he did and he kind of just let the let the rounds kind of deplete away and, and lost the title it was a pretty kind of out with a whimper nearly yeah I could not agree more like I said this so many times over the last years, and I've, uh, I, I, and I've, I've always believed, it and I feel like a lot of people haven't believed me, but I think they probably will now. Like, is he fights within himself so much? And like, as you said there, m- maybe we gave him too much credit for that. You know, maybe he doesn't. Maybe he's just not as good as people think. And I, uh, he's not. He's just not as good as people think. And uh, you could. You're probably saying, oh, Sean, he's said that after loss. I've said that after wins. <laughs> you know, I've, I've absolutely, I've said it before fights and everything. He's just, like, he was the king of a division with no fucking challenges. He's like, he's like, do you know the, those fucking countries that have the elections every seven years and they get like 99.8% of the vote every time? <laughs> I was like, it was just, it was like, like, no one could get him out of And then like, it's it's not as if the division caught up and like really good guys came along and beat. He got beat by Sean Strickland. Like, you know, he's a good fighter, but he's not exactly fucking, you know, Chris Weidman coming to take your head off, or he's not Conor McGregor coming to knock you out, or Habib Nurmagomedov to come and win the belt. Like, he's not that. Like, I don't think anyone could could say that. But like, is he's he's just his own worst enemy? I think again, like as you were saying it there, he, he could not change that gear he could not go up like in the fifth round i tweeted he lo- he's fighting like a lad who looks like he's four rounds up now 
we, we, I'll go through the fight here in a second, but maybe that big knockdown at the end of the first kind of changed everything. Maybe it wasn't the same fighter after that. You know, it's it's very easy for us to sit here, uh, but it's not very easy to to uh, fight after maybe you got concussed. Maybe he did. Now, he won the second round, so maybe that's not uh, an argument that will stand up much. But, yeah, I just, um, I just think Izzy showed what he's... The limitations he's set on himself almost have come back to bite him on the arse, and they always would. They were all; it was always going to happen. You cannot continue to fight the way he did and not get caught, right? And uh, look, he got caught by a knockout, but also get caught by someone who is just going to throw a few extra shots than you in a fight and end up winning. Like, <laughs> funnily enough, Carmi actually said something really smart. at the. I think it was just before the knockdown at the end of the first round, or maybe, I don't know when it was, but he was like, Izzy can't keep just point fighting him here because Sean Strickland's going to land one or two harder shots in the rounds and win the rounds. I'm like, oh, did DC just learn what the judging criteria was? You know, this is absolutely brilliant, but I think that was a big issue. And then later on, in the fourth round he's like this, this could be 3-1 to Izzy this could be, it's like what? <laughs> yeah well like the, the, he was kind of saying it could be 3-1 to Strickland it could be 2-all yeah. it could be 3-1 to Izzy it's like mm, I don't think it could be 3-1 to Izzy yeah no just and just maybe um just to run through the fright here quickly in case people didn't uh, in case people didn't watch it so the first round it was all that Sean Strickland pressuring he hit him a couple of times uh, but I thought Izzy was kind of just about winning with the jabs and the leg kicks although not too much was landing and about, I don't know, maybe a minute left in the round, Sean Strickland landed two nice right hands. And maybe it's a little bit more than that. And I think they said, oh, Izzy's playing possum. I actually don't think he was. I actually think he was hit by those shots, to be honest. Uh, and then uh, towards the end of the round, there was a massive knockdown for Strickland. He hit Izzy with a one-two right down the middle, caught him up against the cage and landed a bevy of shots. Uh, Mark Goddard did a, a fantastic job. He didn't stop the fight. Izzy got up and he recovered and he saw the end of the round. Um, the second round in, Izzy was Izzy did a great job of fighting further out from the cage so he wasn't getting stuck up against the cage he was sticking and moving um, and even when he was against the cage I think he was kind of setting up Strickland a bit and he did land a couple of right hands I'm like I was thinking at that point right this is the game plan that Izzy tried to fight he's trying to fight he, he tried to fight it throughout the, the first round it didn't work towards the end of it it was kind of working in the middle part uh, and then it worked in the second round so I'm kind of thinking at that point okay Izzy's going to kick on here uh but there was just way less output in the third round. Now, this was a very, very, very close round. Um, I thought Strickland won it because he landed three harder shots maybe in the last two minutes of the round. But Izzy just, he just was not landing enough. He was just, again, it was an easy coast round, just didn't do enough. Um, in the fourth round in, I think this is where Strickland really found his range to what Izzy was trying to do. And I think he adjusted really well. Because if you watch it back, Izzy was hitting shoulders the whole time. He was just missing everything and just just that and the, hand, the hand work of uh, like the hand blocks that uh, Sean Strickland does I think are very underrated as well really good you know uh, sometimes when he's fighting kind of a, a lower level striker you're not sure oh would that work against a really good striker but like it looks like it does you know it did there so yeah. you know I think uh, his defense is, is a bit underrated like he looks kind of like he's too straight up and but it, you know he's using his length really well and uh, as, as you were saying there like he kind of kept Izzy on the back foot and I think Izzy was too happy to kind of circle up against the cage. He should have been, you know, avoiding that like the plague. And he a couple of times he kind of stayed there. And it's like, 
if, if you're winning and you're kind of messing around a bit, then fair enough, but you're not winning here. So you kind of need to stop doing that. You need to make something happen. And this is not the position you're going to make something happen from. Yeah. And that, like towards the end of the four round, that's exactly what happened. So Strickland landed, I counted four lovely left hooks and then he landed a lovely combination. Right. And then I was looking at him, I was like, is he throwing jabs here? Not landed, but he landed one nice right hand. And it was almost like, oh, okay, that's enough to win the round now. I'm like, you're after taking four left hooks here and a combination. It's like, you're miles behind in this round. And then Strickland came back and hit him with a right hand very similar. I'm like, there's no way a judge can give this. He's like, this is a Strickland round. I'm like, you're 3-1 down here probably. It could be 2-2, two, two, but like, what What are you What are you doing? Like, you know, and then in the fifth, again, Izzy was just coasting. He was just coasting for the first three minutes. And then, you know, he, he did a bit like, but... He, I, I think he got anxious when Sean Strickland landed like three nice shots and he tried to fight, but Strickland just answered back every time and then Strickland actually hurt him with a shot towards the end as well and definitely took the fifth. It was one, like, it was one of those fights. The third round was close, right? But that just means Izzy, or, or Izzy would have lost by a round less. It was either 4-1 or 3-2 and there's, I don't think there's a, any talk of any other score. It was a, like, it was just a wild fight. It was a, it was a, and not wild in terms of, you know, the, the action, wild in terms of what actually happened. And like, uh, Eugene Behrman came out afterwards and uh, actually Izzy sent him out and I, I, I would never criticise anyone for having a loss and not coming out answering questions or anything but I, I wonder will people keep the same vibe vibes they had with Ronda Rousey when she did the same thing. We'll see on that. But he's in now Eugene Behrman, which was uh, a bit odd, but I'm, not, I'm definitely not criticising Israel Adesanya. Let him go in and, you know, uh, make adjustments wherever he needs. But uh, Behrman, I don't know if you agree with this or not, Graham, but Behrman said it's easy enough to adjust and we can go back and we can win this fight. He's like, it's hard. It's always hard to, uh, you know, go into a rematch and all of that, but we know the adjustments that can be made. I, like, I feel like that's true, right? But because yeah, you, you could, there's probably like a lot of boxers of the same kind of shape as Sean Strickland that can come in and and you know you can put a camp in with with these guys and you know counter. But I, I like in a rematch, Sean Strickland's going to be a lot more confident now. You know, uh, he said himself that he had some doubts doubts himself coming into this fight and thing. But you know, uh, as we're as we're saying in in previous podcasts recently. 20-30% extra for, for a champion, that's probably down to a lot of kind of confidence and things like that. Obviously, it's not an exact science by any stretch, but there's definitely some kind of uh, leap that we see a lot of the time when somebody becomes a champion. So I don't think, you know, um, I've kind of been caught a few times picking picking the, the former champion when he's been upset in a rematch. And, you know, I, I'd be a bit reluctant to do it this time, you know. Um Strickland just, just look, he had all the answers for everything Izzy threw at him, uh, frustrated him, didn't, didn't bite it on many of his feints. And yeah, I think it's a, I think it's a, it's a tough rematch for, for Izzy. It's a, it, it's, it's definitely not an easy, an easy uh, adjustment. I don't think, you know, it's, it's definitely doable, but it's definitely not easy. Yeah. I look, I think there are ways Izzy can adjust to win that fight. Um, I, I just, so there's two things gnawing at the back of my head here. There's like the you know the the devil and the angel. One of them is that Izzy could you know, and and it's not that he coasted in this fight. He was he did coast, but he was made to lose by Strickland 
because he was in the middle of a coast fest, right? So he could do that again. It could it could work out a very similar fashion, or he could come out l- like he did against um, uh, against Pereira and fight a more aggressive fight and try to blow him away. And I think he could do that. Like I, I've always believed in Israel Adesanya's ability. Now, I, I, as I said. As an all-round fighter, as a great fighter, absolutely, definitely overrated. But as a striker and as the ability, uh, someone that has the ability to, I suppose, uh, unleash themselves, I, I, he's a re- like he's absolutely has that ability. I think. But which one are we going to get out of Izzy? You know, it's it's toss of a kind with him all the time. And you know, people probably said before I'm harsh about saying that, but it's he's four and three now, and like one of them wins was the fucking Cannoneer fight, which was. Uh, just atrocious like people were walking out in their thousands in the four round so you just never know like i i think dana white immediately came out and said oh we're going to make the rematch geez i think that's a big mistake i really think that's a big mistake um i don't know what like maybe because adesanya draws pretty well and stuff but he's he's also like a guy who has is definitely going to reach his ceiling in terms of a draw because of not only losses, right, but bad performances and all this. We've, we've spoken about it many times before, and I like, think a lot of what has happened has just proven our analysis, right? But, like, Izzy's a really... Uh, and just to get back to the rematch part as well, Izzy has been, like, historically a really badly analysed fighter, almost from the very start. Like... People were talking about his bad takedown defense at the start of his career, and then he like completely adjusted, had that beautiful kind of overhook uh, wrist lock control that he used really well, and people didn't really even see it, and were like, oh, this guy is used to just take him down. It's like, that's not going to be that easy, right? Unless you get someone really good like Blahovic, who eventually did it, but a lot of people didn't do it. And then he got to a stage where he was like, oh, this guy is the greatest of all time, better than Anderson Silva. And all this monarchy is just like... Were people saying he's better than Anderson Silva? Yeah. Oh, yeah, this week, yeah. Yeah, this week oh, really? people were saying he's the middle of court and all that. Yeah, they, absolutely, yeah. So oh, yeah, absolutely not. No. Yeah, no, just I'm not even close. Like, not not even close. But I, I, like the analysis now is 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 going to be very, very interesting. Like, well, what to do and where to go with Izzy. And uh, I, I just... I, I think leaving it and taking a break from a while would be the best thing for everyone. And, uh, I, you know, some people as well were saying about Adesanya, it's been um, a lot of fights recently, and it has, but not so much in the last few fights. Like, it was five months since the Pereira fight. Uh, it was uh, six months in the Pereira fight before that. Um, so, like... In the la- what is that in the last uh, eleven months he's had three fights which is it's it's a good bit but it's not loads like you know it's not absolutely and like before that he had a very busy twenty twenty two and all that but yeah I, I would have t- if he lost at the end of twenty twenty two maybe that would have been a better argument but the fact that he has had five months now before this one I think it's a little bit different I think that people are kind of thinking this is closer because of the uh, the Drickus fight remember it was like oh you need to turn this around quicker but Adesanya didn't have as as quick of a turnaround but. Yeah, look, uh, just... Do, do, do you think any of it was that they thought Sean Strickland, you know, they took him on kind of short notice so when they didn't really, they could have waited for DDP? Do you think they kind of underestimated as Anya and his team underestimated Sean Strickland a bit? Um, I think we all underestimated Sean Strickland a bit, to be honest. I, I Did they underestimate Sean Strickland or did they overestimate the effectiveness of Izzy's game? I don't know. Like, probably a little bit of both. Bit of both, yeah. Like, the, the problem is, right, 
and also like the, it's funny because the problem is the same for both Strickland and Izzy, but on the opposite sides of it, right? So Izzy's game was probably a little bit or a lot, I think, overrated because he was beating guys who weren't that great, right? And Strickland's game was probably a bit underrated because he was beating guys who weren't that good, you know? It's hard, it's hard to actually, you know, like if you're beating, you, you could be the best fighter in the world, right? And you're beating a lot of guys in, you know, CFFC or something, right? People are going to say, ah, sure, he's beating lads who've never been in the UFC and all this. But, like, yeah, you go in and you're light heavyweight and you fucking take on Yuri Prachka and you knock him out or something. Like, well, oh, actually, sorry, he actually really was that good. You know, and, uh, you know, sometimes it's hard to actually tell. And, you know, maybe we got it wrong on Strickland. And I'm, I must say as well, like, I, I got it badly wrong on Strickland. I wrote an article about Strickland not too long ago. And I, I stand by everything I said in the article about him being a horrible human being and him being a scumbag and all of that. But me saying, like, he's... A guy who will apparently he's actually not champion. though. Apparently yeah, he's not, you know, like, he's actually sound and he's just it's just a. But does that like matter? Persona. Yeah, does that matter? I think like, it does matter a little bit. Yeah, no, I, think, I don't think it does. Like if Kobe Covington was actually believing like everything he was saying or Sean Strickland, they would be different. And they're just saying it for, because they think that this is how they you know get into title. Is shots that not and, worse? I don't think it's worse. Uh, it's. I think it's still bad. If you want to say things and be an absolute cunt, well, I'm going to take you at face value then. Like, I don't think that's a pass. I really don't think that's a pass. Oh, I can say anything I want. I'm just playing a character. No, how about fuck you, right? Like, I, if it, like if it is, if you're getting there that way, it just means... What if you're a pro, what if you're a pro wrestler? What if you say, like, is, you know... He's not a pro wrestler, right? terrible person. <laughs> he's, not a pro, he's not a pro wrestler. <laughs> if you're working on fucking Carnation Street, it's, it's a... He, he's a, he's a disruptor, Sean. He's a disruptor. Uh, don't, he's, don't bring, bring that word he's to bringing, uh, He's bringing heels into MMA, disrupting the business. Yeah. <laughs> it, it is... It wasn't a great night in terms of that, though, because, like, you know, Str- Strickland and no one's, like, shithead whether he is in real life or whatever I actually don't think it matters like if you put that out there and you want like he is putting that persona out there so we can talk about him via that persona he wants us to talk about him in that guise well no problem Let, let's do that right let's do that but also th- tonight with two lads saying uh, the bad F word after their fights the really bad one um not a great look for the UFC and all of that. Like I know, they, like this is MMA and all. Like I wonder, are we ever going to become a sport which is like a little bit respectable in any way? Like no, Dana White was like, "Oh, he apologized," and we didn't even ask him to apologize. I'm like, it's. Do you know what's weird, right? Right. So that happens on the broadcast, and no one comes on and goes, "Oh, we'd like to apologize for language." Like, do you know, if you're, there's a Premier League game on and go, someone goes, uh, you know, they interview Jurgen Klopp and he goes, oh, that was absolute bullshit, that decision or whatever. They'll immediately go, oh, we apologize for that language. And I know it's before the watershed and everything like that, but you would think the first thing they would do would be to apologize for that. And what's the first thing that DC does? Giggling, giggling like a little schooler. <laughs> and I was like, okay, an initial reaction. I'd forgive anyone for an initial reaction. I go, God, you, you know, you don't know. But then like, 30 seconds later he's back at the table and he's still giggling I'm like what what are you doing like what are you doing but it's not a, it's just a terrible look for MMA like and for Dana White to like not even come out and say it and this is funny because we actually um, uh, we said something like this would happen when Dana White slapped his wife because what did Dana White say in the press conference last night he was like I'm no one to talk about making mistakes and like that 
just oh, well, like Manuel's gonna have to live with himself for the rest of his life, you know what I mean? Yeah, so that's, like, it's, it's good enough. <laughs> yeah, Jesus. Well, it, it, that just shows, like, because from the top down, when Dana White is allowed to stay there and allowed to uh, keep his position after what he did, it just gives free reign to other people because the guy at the I, very uh, top can't be fair. I think Dana would have tried to, you know, let, not make a deal of this, even if it was before any instance with him happened. He, he just, if he can avoid. You know, if he's if he's forced into a corner where he has to do something, he, he he maybe do it. But if he can avoid it, he'd always just kind of avoid it, unless he has like a grudge against the particular yeah. fighter. Although I think he would have been stronger before a little bit anyway. He'd be like, he'd maybe call him a fucking idiot or something like that. But yeah, I, I don't. Yeah, know. yeah, he maybe would have had some some words, yeah. but I don't think. I think definitely what you're saying is is it kind of puts Dana in a less strong position to be able to say anything. But I think you know his actions before all this probably would have been you know to kind of sweep it under the rug if he could uh, anyway. Yeah, and he li- he literally said that himself. So that's not even that's not even my opinion. Um, any any final thoughts on, on the Strickland Adesanya thing? I think I, like I think it's it's one of those fights that live in memory for a long time. It's funny. I was I was thinking. Uh, during the car and you know you're expecting it to be just Adesanya kind of winning you know 50-45 or whatever and I, I was thinking MMA years ago you, you used to remember like every event and every fight now and not to go down uh, you know not to go down this road now back in my day <laughs> back in my day and I feel like I feel like you can you can compare it almost to the Premier League, you know, when there was like one game on the weekend, and you know everyone remembers those amazing um, Liverpool Newcastle games, you know, the four three games and all like that. And I or feel the Arsenal Man United running games, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. FA Cup semi final and all, yeah. But I feel like there's no games now that we like really remember, like really remember. I did like in the last couple of years is there any like a me I, I don't you know we remember okay Man United lost 7 in Liverpool remember that or you know remember the, the Steven Gerrard slip and stuff but like when was Steven Gerrard slip fucking 10 years ago like, I feel like that's just when there's so many fights we don't remember them like we used to remember them or so many games we don't remember them like we used to remember I think it's the jeopardy as well though like I yeah. always come back to this but like you know uh, those Newcastle Liverpool games were like you know Newcastle were in title kind of Fights or with Man United and the kind of you know uh, was it was it kind of near nearly a title decider or the, the the FA Cup game in Arsenal and Man United was to get to the final and there was like a penalty it was just there was dramatics and it had jeopardy and you know I always say this but like some of these cards and even some of the like even these pay per view cards sometimes the undercards there's just no jeopardy and it's just it's 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 hard to be too invested either way on in, in who wins like you know obviously. Some people make make bets on things and that gets you invested and stuff. But if if you're just watching it as a fan with with no bets either way, some of the fights you just don't really care who wins. And I think the UFC have to do a better job of of getting people interested in these guys, like giving these guys, you know, uh, the, the chance to to kind of make an impression and all this formulaic kind of countdown shows and things like that and embed it's just become so kind of boring to people who've watched them for a while that uh, I don't know it seems like they need to spice it up a bit or change it up a bit and uh, obviously the some fighters don't have like big personalities or whatever but I'm sure there's some of these guys that have kind of flown under the radar that given a chance would would have a personality and you know they, obviously they're private contractors they're, they're their own business they've got to make it happen for themselves but in terms of the UC kind of getting back that all oh, the UCs on Saturday and make sure I'm there. Like it's, it's, 
it's very it's, it's very difficult the way the way it is now because everything is just so formulaic and uh, you know these cards just seem to be kind of thrown together and you know he, I was listening to you on uh, John Annex podcast and he didn't even know that Caden Lockwood had a new opponent he thought he'd lost he thought he'd been a favorite going in talked a load of trash about his opponent and, and lost but he didn't even know that it, you know the the thing had changed and he the opponent had changed and, and everything and it was a much harder opponent and all that and he works for the UFC and obviously he wasn't working that show and he's entitled to some time off or whatever but it just shows how difficult even when you're in the bubble it is to kind of keep up with, with the with the ongoings of, of all and maybe cutting down the cards to like you know eight or nine fights instead of 12 to 14 fights might help it might give you know a bit more space for the the, the fighters to kind of make people care you know, um, I suppose you could look at the other way. And Caden Lockman is a good example. He kind of made it happen himself. He went out and talked a lot of trash, and he flipped off the crowd and and all that stuff. And you know, made people interested. But some guys, I think, could do with a little bit of a little bit of a helping hand. And the UFC could do it, kind of freshening up their uh, their approach to these kind of not major cards and or these pay per view cards with kind of dodgy enough undercards. Obviously, it was a little bit different this time for us with Kiefer Crosby making his debut and an Irish guy we've been following since the amateur days making his making his pro debut or making his UFC debut in the first fight of the night. But you know, for most people, you could probably avoid. Like, would you be missing out on that much if you if you just watched the top three fights of that pay per view? Like that's that's a big change from the pay per views of of yesteryear. Yeah, like okay. So here was my point when I brought when I brought this up. My point is like it was that. Until Strickland changed it, you know, it was, it was, I, I mentioned Man City versus Crystal Palace. That's what we were expecting, you know, we were expecting a 4-1 win, literally, <laughs> and we... And even when, even when Man City went 1-0 down in the first few minutes, you're like, ah, oh, well, like, that's yes, so exactly. <laughs> literally exactly what we were expecting. But what we got, you know, was the... <sighs> Liverpool beating Man City on the last day of the uh, of the league to win the league by one point type of thing or to win by the league by a, bit, a few more points you know that's what we got we got one of the fights that we will never forget and that was brilliant you know it's absolutely brilliant say what you want about both guys like I think both guys are thoroughly unlikable people Probably both slightly overrated fighters, uh, but it's middleweight, and that's what we have. So well, Strickland's probably underrated. Well, really. well maybe yeah. not now, but going into this, he was definitely underrated. Yeah, well, that's actually probably true. Yeah, but either way, we got a fucking great fight. Uh, it was uh, it wasn't a great fight, but it's a, a a memorable fight. Uh, I thought it was a great fight. It, you know, I thought I don't I think really a great fight it. just has to be. You know, the yeah. technique is amazing. It's back and forth. Guys getting dropped. I think an amazing fight can be where something like this happens, where like. You know, uh, a big underdog comes in and puts on a really good performance that you just never saw coming, and I think that, that for me that can be a great fight, like a like a I great football match. Doesn't, it doesn't have to be like you know all these stylish goals. It can be like a, a backs against the wall, like holding on to a one nil can be a can be a great match. You know, it yeah. just kind of I know what people mean when they say if somebody was to say it wasn't a great fight, but to me it was. I I would I a hundred percent agree. I really really enjoyed this. But when, like if you're putting it up there with like the top. 
10 or 20 greatest fights of all time. I don't think it's it's that, but in its, it in itself, I think, was a very, very good fight and a fascinating one, you know, one that you had to pay attention to all the way through. It was... I really, really, really enjoyed it. And, uh, you know, congratulations to, uh, to Sean Strickland on uh, on the win. Another um, UFC champion called Sean. What's going on? Indeed. Fucking great great time for Sean's in, in MMA. Fucking... We're killing are we, are, are, are we claiming him as Irish or, you know, like him that much? I, I don't know. I think we... <laughs> We leave that for a while now. We leave it. Um, you mentioned Kiefer Crosby. Let's talk about the the Kiefer Crosby fight. Um, it was funny. It's weird because like we had obviously Kalen last week, Reese last week, and Kiefer this week. And obviously we we three losses very unfortunately. Um, and they were all a little bit different. You know, I've uh, I've Kalen coming up actually this week. I spoke to him for for sure. Dog that'll be coming out this week. And you know, the one with Kalen, it was. It was inexperienced more than anything else, and he got a really tough matchup on short notice. With Kiefer, I think the fight very much. Uh, sorry, with uh, with Reese, the fight very much changed. Very much changed very quickly because of that big knockdown and the big takedown, and it kind of took until the third round before he kind of got back to his own uh, his own game. But for Kiefer. It was a little bit different. Kiefer started well and he came out and he landed his shots and he looked confident um, and all of that. He was working the body. But I think as the fight kind of went, um, as you said, got more confident and he was landing some lovely jabs. But Kiefer never, I think, I don't think he stopped fighting when it was on the feed at all. He was landing that right hand over the top. His face started to get reddened and you could see, as you said, it was kind of taken over. Then the leg was getting red uh, reddened too and it was like, oh, this is this is tough. You're kind of like get to the end of the round here, readjust, and maybe try to start off the way. You never know about short notice fights either. Who is going to have the better cardio? Who's going to keep it for longer? Look, it looked like you said cut a lot more weight maybe than Kiefer did as well. So that might have been a thing. So, but the fight kind of got into a clinch. Then it was a hip toss. Um, and what happened on the ground, I, I think Kiefer looked back at it and probably be kicking himself. Whether it, something happened and he was hurt or something, but he just the. F- he didn't do any of the right things. His palms were on the ground when Giuseppe took his back. He wasn't quick enough to kind of maybe adjust from that position, just give up his back and start um, start defending. And when Giuseppe did get it, the choking, there was there was no play to like pull down the hands and to defend. Now, you're probably saying it's probably too late at that stage, and maybe it was, but it, that last 10 seconds of the fight, I think it's something Kiefer looked back on and go... What happened there? Was it kind of caught up in the lights? Was it was he hurt or something like that? But it just the last ten seconds wasn't great, and it's it's so odd because he started so well, and we know what Kiefer's like. Even if he gets into a fight where you know he is getting reddened up or he is cut or whatever, and he gets into a war, he's well able to That's come through kind of a fight like wants. that. Yeah. Exactly. What did you think of it overall, Graham? Yeah, like early on, uh, there was some good exchanges, and it looked like Kiefer had had the more power. Obviously, he was the the shorter guy and had to kind of close the distance to land his shots. But he seemed like he was able to do that. Um, you know, he didn't have it all his own way, and the striking was was back and forth. But it was definitely you know his his best route to victory and a kind of fight that we've seen him do well in before. The type of fight we've seen him do well in before. You know, going into the kind of grappling realm and the, the kind of judo realm was just, just a big mistake there. And as you said, there was like a couple of a second or two of hesitation where he just he just paused with his hands on the on the ground after the the, the takedown. And like you know, obviously Kiefer's um, kind of forte is is striking and, and boxing in particular. But 
we've seen much better from him on the ground in the past. You know, we, we this was, you know, if you were seeing Kiefer for the first time, you'd say this guy doesn't have a clue on the ground from what you saw there. But that's not the case from from what I've seen. So, you know, I didn't see him. I didn't see any shot particularly hurt him, but may, maybe it did or. You know, um, obviously you mentioned the leg kicks there. They were more concerning to me about the, than the punches Kiefer was taking at the, at the, uh, the early stages of the, the, the majority of the round, because he, you know, he he was he was um, he looked to be loading up and looked to have maybe slightly more power or, or maybe even you know uh, a lot more power in his shots. But yeah, once it once it went into the grappling realm, that was a mistake in my opinion to even to even attempt that. And obviously. You know, as you said, he'll look back and be extremely disappointed about what happened uh, on the ground and how easily he kind of gave up his back and, and the choke. And you know, uh, obviously, it's it's a it's a tough one to take. It's your UFC debut and all, but on short notice and and things like that, flying over to Australia, all that stuff. It's it's not ideal. And you know, maybe maybe he got hit with a shot or maybe he tired out or maybe the leg kicks were were had like they definitely damaged the leg a little bit maybe they damaged them more but uh, i'm i'm kind of struggling to find what uh, what happened there just a mental lapse with it with his with his kind of hands flat on the on on the canvas uh, i'm not sure i'm not sure what happened there maybe he, you know the round's coming to an end he thinks i need to make an impression here and and then just that mental lapse, and that's that's all it takes in the UFC against against a good guy, even a guy who's not known for submissions. If you if you make a kind of rudimentary mistake like that, pe- like these guys will take your back and they will choke you. So it's definitely a definitely a disappointing one for Kiefer after you know a fight that kind of was was playing out uh, in a way that we've seen him we've seen him do well and we've seen him get finishes in before. So even though he he probably the round had slipped away from him on the on the feet in my opinion he was still in one with a with a good chance of you know in the second round and third round uh of of landing a big shot so yeah i think as you said Kiefer's going to look back and be very frustrated with that fight yeah i wonder do you think remember in the Kalen fight last week where he got on your man's back and then he kind of slipped off when your man had these two hands down i wonder the Kiefer thinks something like that was going to happen and your man would kind of try to climb up on his back and they would end up maybe slipping off I don't know. It's very like it's hard to get into anyone's mind there, but like whatever happened, it, it just like it looked aesthetically really bad. And you know, I'm sure Keith will do an interview afterwards and, and explain kind of what happened. You know, you you just never know. But yeah, it did look great. Here's one thing I would say: like, I I don't know if this is true or not, right? But it felt like Juset was way more prepared for that fight in terms of like was he kind of always going to be on he was in yeah was yeah. he that's what I mean I don't mean the prepared in terms of technically I mean like physically like was he always going to be on the card and they were kind of just looking for an opponent and then Kiefer like had two weeks notice and had to fly to Australia like I, that's a tough situation to be put in there it definitely felt like that I also think with Kiefer as well and he said this himself but like I think it's going to have to be 155 in the UFC I think the um, yeah, yeah. size I think is I've just been saying too this much. for years yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah so hopefully the, ne- the next one he gets will be 155 I know there were some people who were talking again and I mentioned it last week but Reese versus Kiefer uh, but I I think it'd be a good fight but I'd rather see Kiefer go down to 155 and, and give it a go there and, and see what happens but look hopefully we have an Irish card coming up and all these lads get second opportunities and like there was some stuff last night as well right and I, 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 I I'm gonna I want to address this because like people are kind of saying like oh you're hyping up Irish MMA guy and these guys are all losing and all it's like what do you want us to do right do you want us to like not be excited that there's Irish lads in, in the UFC like we I didn't 
if you listen to my preview, I didn't pick Kiefer. I said it was going to be a tough fight. I said your man was very good. I was on with John Anik, and I didn't even pick him there. I said, like, I think this one will be a very bloody fight. So uh, a friend of mine asked me last night what I think, and I was like, I thought Kiefer had a chance, but I think it's, like, probably 60-40 for Juset. Like, it's... We spoke about. It. I did think I did think Reese was a big favorite in that one, uh, and he he lost, but it was yeah. a close fight. I thought the Reece Caleb fight. Perform, though. I think you know that's nothing to do with being being Irish. I think yeah. anybody who's watched Reese and Cage Warriors and watched that performance knew that he, you know, that wasn't the best of him. And no, you know, the Caleb like, Lockman fight. We we I think we both picked him on his original opponent, oh, but we both yeah. didn't pick to pick him on his uh, yeah his second opponent. We said it was well, a like, huge ask. You know, we we we, went, we literally like laid out how how difficult this was. So yeah, I think giving them coverage and hyping them up are different things. You know, obviously we're we're going to cover these guys. We're going to give them a chance to speak. Like obviously you posted a an old interview there from years ago when one of Kiefer's first amateur fights with, with Andrew McGahan. You know, uh, I don't know what people want us to do. I think people are just going to complain no matter what. People like you know they they their fighter or they don't like certain certain guy and they're just looking for for some kind of reaction. I think. But I think I just think it's mad, right? Like. Uh, another hyped Irish guy. Well, like, what about the like thousands of unhyped guys that are like all over the world that should be getting more like? Like, what what's the problem with telling these people stories? Like, what's the problem with having Kiefer on the old Drango? What's the problem with you know interviewing Reese or interviewing Kaelin or interviewing Connor or Ian Gary, whoever it might be, and th- are talking about him? Like, I don't know. I just that that. I, usually I don't give a shit But that really bothered me It's like What what are we supposed to do What do you want us to do Come out and say Everyone is shit Like Like we come out And we, we talk about Every performance afterwards And we analyse And we always do it fairly Look what we just did there We just said like You know Kiefer He'll regret the last uh, Bit of the fight It wasn't great It looked really bad Like what do you want us to say Like Like I, I don't know I I uh, I feel like and the, amount, the amount of fighters mad at me for saying things that are not favorable. And oh, absolutely, <laughs> me too. <laughs> sure, I, I've, I can't even remember all the fighters that are mad at me over the years. For Richard Kylie nearly killed me. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, it's a. I don't know. I, I feel like we're always very fair, especially afterwards. Okay, fair enough. When it's when it's coming up to the fight, we're like, oh, I can't wait. There's an Irish. Fight. Sometimes you've you've seen a guy fight for 10 years and you've seen another guy fight for three minutes on YouTube on a horrible stream or whatever you know what I mean yeah, or on a horrible video like, it's, it's, sometimes you don't know as much about the other guy and obviously you're going to talk about what you do know and yeah sometimes like you know uh, unrelated Irish guys American versus Brazilian my like my pick record isn't exactly you know 100% by any stretch of the imagination um, just because you like you know anybody picking fights is going to get fights wrong that's how unpredictable the fight game is you know uh if it was easy, we'd all be rich. That's true. That's true. Although I picked Volkov to win by submission fourteen to one last night. So it was some pick. I was some pick. But uh, yeah. Anyway, just to, I suppose to wrap that up, we will uh, we'll be continuing to give Irish MMA people uh, uh, coverage, and we will continue to to talk about them and build them up and do as much as we can. Because like. You know, at the end of the day, and like if they do something bad, we'll also say that. You know, how many times have we come on here and talked about the different things Connor's being at, or you know, someone comes in and they don't have a good performance, and we talk about that or whatever it might be, all the time. I I I would stand by our record of doing that more than anyone. Well, by an absolute country mile more than anyone. So yeah, I I think I think, look, I think the vast majority of people. Uh, appreciate it so we will we will continue to do it for those people and the rest of you can go fuck yourselves right Graham 
uh, we'll run through the rest of this card. Obviously, we'll have the uh, the balance breakdown with the lads coming out on Tuesday morning. But um, and anything that stood out to you on the rest of the card, Graham? I, I always get a question on the Q&A. Yeah, who's your well, standout the, the, person? The Manel Cape, uh, Dos Santos fight. Dos Santos was very impressive. Uh, you know, he came in. He was meant to be on Dana White Contender Series, I think, and he ended up getting into this fight. He was only seven and zero going in, and. He looked, you know, he took some big shots and he fired back. He looked like a really tough guy. Obviously, uh, uh, we didn't get to see much of him on the ground, but when we did the little bits, he seemed like he had a he had a decent game. And uh, Cape didn't didn't really want anything to do with it. Kept standing up, and it was a you know, like it was a much closer fight. I, I I like obviously didn't know much about the Santos going into this, but he, he impressed me a, a lot in this one. He you know obviously he lost and he took a lot of damage, but. For me, he looked good coming in there as an inexperienced guy on short notice. Uh, he might be, you know, in some very exciting fights to come. Yeah, I, I watched uh, I watched two or three of his fights coming into it for the uh, the Ben Show and stuff, and I was like, ooh, I actually picked him to win. Uh, I, 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 he's just really good, and I think if he could have gotten a few more takedowns um, and made his jiu-jitsu a bigger part of that fight, I think he could have won it, to be honest, because he was, you know, he was taking his power. Okay, he got hurt a couple of times, but he was given as good as he got for a lot of the fight, if he could have added in a takedown, you know, I think it could have been uh, a whole different ball game in there, but he's definitely one to uh, to look forward to in, in the future. And, you know, a good win for Capital. I actually think people will underestimate that win for, for Menel Cap because uh, Felipe De Santos is a way better fighter than, uh, you know, seven fights in would, uh, would suggest. So big win for him as well. And he will go on now. Uh, and he's one of the guys who said the uh, the bad F word afterwards. Who was the other one? Shepe Marsical, was that him? Yeah, I think it was. No, it wasn't. It was uh, Radike. So, sorry. Shout out, Shepe. You didn't. You weren't the prick. There you go. Uh, we mentioned the Volkov to Ivasa fight. Look, it was almost what you'd expect out of Volkov and to Ivasa, I suppose. Uh, the Tai to Ivasa does look more disheveled than usual in, in this uh, yeah, I think it's the fight. hair. Right? The hair was a bit too long and it was, you know... It's a guy with a bit of timber on me myself. When you get longer hair and you get a bit sweaty and stuff, you just look very... You, Greasy you or... Smelly or something. Shoveled. But, um, yeah, he nearly got KO'd in round one. But then he just started kicking the leg. And I was like, oh, shit. I was looking at the, the betting and running here. And I was like, Volkov is in trouble here because that leg was Did you bad. Think, I don't know. I didn't think it was as bad as the commentators were making oh, it out to did. be. Oh, like, he did. didn't show it as much. He was still, like... Uh, obviously, it was damaged, but it wasn't really affecting his offense, I didn't think. I did, I did, because I thought he started fighting a lot closer in, and I, I he started throwing those knees up through the middle. And he tr- started trying to get the fight to the ground more. I think I, I thought it was, I thought it was pretty bad. Now, I, mean, I don't know. Maybe we need to go back and watch it. The two of us. Uh, the way the kind of the, in the corner, they were like, his legs nearly gone, and the, and the commentators were kind of going mad. I was like, he's, like relax a bit there. He's, I, I think like, he's definitely taking a few, but like it's not like yeah. here. it's not like you know one leg kick and it's gonna go and it's gonna go like you know. I think the. Corner called it way before it actually was hurt. To be fair, um, there was a bit. Of, I was like, "Ah, oh, what are you talking about?" But then, like three leg kicks later, I was like, "Oh shit!" Actually, well, maybe he is getting it. But anyway, didn't work out. Um, Volkov got on top, and he got my favorite choke, the Ezekiel choke from my bet of the week at fourteen yeah. to one. For a guy, you know, he came in years ago and was a Bellator. Yeah, Bellator. It was basically just a striker. Um, you know, he's come a long way. Obviously, Taito Avas is not the the best ground technician, but Volkov has really kind of rounded out his game. And, you know, obviously he's been around a long time. What's that? His 47th fight. But, you know, he's, he's a big problem for, for everybody. Just the size of him and the, 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 the way he uses his, his uh, kicks for range. And 
yeah, he's from the kind of one-dimensional fighter he kind of came to my attention as. He's he's definitely a much more well-rounded, and you know, he he took care of Taitouvasa pretty pretty handily there. Like I thought, you know, yeah, might be a a decision where where he kind of keeps Taitouvasa on the outside, but you know, he, he beat him up on the feet and then submitted him pretty nicely. So that was a that was a pretty impressive performance from Volkov, in my opinion. Yeah, it was very good. Um. Justin Taffa followed his brother's win a couple of weeks ago and knocked out Austin Lane after getting kind of hurt himself a little bit. Poke in the eye again, wasn't it? Wasn't yeah. That, yeah, geez, yeah, that was that fight got remade because of an eye poke and that was yeah. a pretty nasty uh, eye poke again. Indeed. Tyson Pedro then uh, knocked out Anton Turcali. I couldn't believe he was the underdog coming in here. I wasn't a big underdog. He was plus 100 at one stage, but... Um, I actually bet on him with my only bet. Well, I, I bet after I won a bit of money after this, but I bet on him to get the knockout, uh, and he did it over three to one. I, ugh, I just did this was crazy. Like Torcali, I watched a bit of him. And he's like this lad is just wide open to get knocked out. And Pedro is, Pedro is a um, a good fighter, but not a great fighter. But like when he's in there against a guy who's not great, he will knock him out every single fucking time and that's exactly what he did here I really like the look of this Carlos Alberg uh, I'm getting Jamal Hill vibes from him at 205 um, I think he could be a future champion I think he's that good he's really really good um, do, do, do you think he gets a bit bent out of shape or something uh, uh, sometimes that might bite him when he, when he steps up obviously yeah, he has time to develop. That's only his tenth fight, but he kind of ends up in kind of square positions on on the feet after his own strikes. Nearly, uh, maybe it's just a, an odd way he has. But I don't know. There's something janky there, or something that may, may maybe it works for him, but yeah, it would worry me going in I against think, uh, higher level guys. I think it's kind of that's something that will be out of his game in a few fights. I think Ian Gary used to do something relatively similar and he's kind of worked that out of his game. I think that's a thing you kind of get out of. Do you know what? But I do agree with you. The one thing I would say as well is I wonder will cardio be an issue for him because, and even though he got the the choke here late and he looked good late, but I I just think in the middle part of that third round, I'm like, oh, Jesus, this guy's struggling a little bit. And it wasn't exactly a fight where he was pushed to the pin of his collar, you know, he was kind of, uh, and Jung is a good fighter, and he, he did push him, but like, Ulberg was controlling that fight, and that's the way he fights, can he do that for five rounds, I think is a big thing, like, you know, when when you're not in the juice, and all of that, it's very hard to do it, you know, it's very, very hard, to fight five rounds, and especially with 205 pounds on your back, um, that I suppose would be a big question, but that's something as well, I think you can, um, you can adjust for and, and hopefully he gets a bit more experience and, and goes on from there but it was anyway. a strange situation at the end where Young tapped on the canvas and then kind of with 10 seconds ago and then def- kind of defended and got to the bell and then they went back checked it and uh, gave the Rinnick a choke finish but you know if you're, I understand if you're tapping on the guy you're trying to get away with a tap so you can get out of it or whatever but why tap on the canvas and then and then defend then start defending the joke, odd, defending yeah. the joke more it's very strange it was strange but fair play to maybe he was about to go out or something and he kind of I don't know did, maybe, maybe pop back or something yeah, yeah I don't know came back. Yeah, you never know but like I thought this was done perfectly like Herb Dean missed it but Herb Dean was on the other side you know mistakes can happen or you don't see something that's no, no problem with that anyone can make a mistake but the fact that they saw it 
on the camera. So, uh, there was actually a photographer cage side, and you could see it in the replay. He like pointed, he's like he's tapping, he's tapping, and he was probably like one of the only lads, or maybe people at that side of the cage could uh, could see it. And obviously the yeah. uh, in fairness, it was kind of behind the body, just a small tap, like yeah, it always very obvious. hard to see. Yeah, no, it wasn't an obvious one, but on the, that camera angle, it was obvious. So they went in, they changed the decision, and gave it as a rear naked choke submission. Just brilliant. Like this is exactly this is how VAR should work. Like it worked brilliant and. I don't think it's any mistake that Mark Goddard was there and he was the one doing it. Like, I feel like if he was the one doing all of these, he'd actually be brave enough to call them and make those changes. We saw one, I can't, I can't even remember, it was from last week, whatever it was. The ball. The ball one, yeah, 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 exactly. Like, that's this is exactly what needs to be done. So fair play to him. This is this is the system system shown to work perfectly and uh, they got the right result in the end. Um Right, the rest of the card, Marscal won, beat Jack Jenkins, all oh, this rotten fucking oh, elbow, uh, elbow dislocation. Yeah, it's terrible. Jack Jenkins is a good prospect, but Marscal uh, got first, uh, first, The first replay, I was like looking at the wrong arm, and I was like, there's something happening there. Too, and the second yeah. I was like, oh my God. It was like, oh no. <laughs> I was like, oh no, I'm looking in the wrong place here. Like. <laughs> Thank God, just continue to look in the wrong place. It was awful. Um, but yeah, hopefully uh, Jack comes back. Um, quickly from that uh, McDessie and Malarkey then went exactly as McDessie and Malarkey uh, was always going to go it was a close decision enough and Malarkey probably just about better Hackbrass looked good against uh, Quinones that was a good fight um, Charles Ricky beat uh, Mike Mathena and not a great fight and then he called everyone what he called them afterwards um, Gabriel Miranda submitted Shane Young and as we talked about Kevin Jusset and, uh, and Kiefer Crosby um Right, we look ahead to uh, next week's cards. There are a few. There is an Octagon card, there is a KSW card, and there is a UFC card. First of all, the KSW uh, card, the 135-pound title is up on the line. Uh, the fourth fight between Jacques Vishlak and Sebastian Primish. So that should be fun. I'll have a preview out for that during the week, and there's some other good fights on that as well. But Ireland's Henry Felipe, Graham. Fighting again, it's feels like Henry's fighting every month now at this stage. It's great to see him back in there again, another opportunity and a good card. And I know you've known Henry around the place for a long time. Good to see Henry on this, isn't it? Yeah, he's he's always like to stay active when he's active, and then he, he's disappeared for for long periods at a time. So you know, it's it's great to see him back. Obviously, on a big show as well. Um, I don't know much about his opponent, but you know, his his opponent's coming off a, a loss against a, against an undefeated thirteen and zero good guy and. Felipe's Felipe's a guy that you know he's just so he'll fight anybody you know he's as we mentioned before he was he was scheduled three times to fight Drikas Duplessis and he got cancelled each time he 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 he's basically taking on all comers no matter where it is he's you know making early fights over in over in um uh, in Ireland in battle zone and on the regional scene fighting people like John Michael Shields even though he you know at the time you probably would advise to kind of get a winning streak going at the start of your career. He, he just always has been the guy to take on big challenges. And, you know, obviously, if you keep winning in KSW, uh, they'll keep matching you and you, you'll we'll work towards the title. Uh, you know, we've seen in some other promotions where they promise this kind of thing and uh, they don't they don't give you the fights that they that they promise and you're kind of stuck in in limbo. But he has a clear he has a clear route to the top here in KSW if he keeps winning and you know, he has all the abilities. He, he he can finish people on the ground. He can finish people on the feet. He's fast. He's athletic. He's his timing is really good. Just you know, sometimes um, maybe he, he takes maybe too many chances and ends up in bad positions. But he seems to have ironed that out in in recent years. And you know, he's 
he's a dangerous he's a dangerous fighter for for anybody wherever the fight goes. So not knowing too much about his opponent, it's hard to pick. But it's it's also hard to pick against Henry Fadipe when when when, uh, when he's in form. Yeah, I watched a bit of his opponent uh, for the preview coming out. He's a very good athlete. He moves very smartly, I would say. Picks his shots well. Um, people probably know Brian High. He knocked him out with a head kick, so he's a very good, uh, a very good fighter. Um, all action, so I think it should be a a pretty good fight there. Um, Phantom MMA seems to, you know, he seems yeah. to like it there for Depe. You know, he's he's been on the street since he went there. They're kind of an un- underrated uh, gym in Ireland. Obviously, it's uh, more of a Polish influence, but. They've been around a long time, and you know this is a this is a big, a big, um, big fight for Felipe and a big fight for them. And it's great to see you know even these kind of smaller gyms in Ireland that maybe don't get talked about as much doing well and getting a chance uh, on on big stages like KSW. hundred percent. And it seems like there's more and more of that all the time now. Like there's lots of different lads from lots of different gyms and lots of different counties and stuff getting opportunities uh, and lots of different promotions, and that's uh, that's absolutely fantastic. Um, We'll finish it off next week's UFC, Graham. It's not. It's not a. It's not a bad card, I suppose. Um, Tracy Cortez and Jasmine Jazavicious is probably a standout for me in the, on the lower undercard. And Miz, that's not a little bit higher. I think Tracy Cortez was uh, ranked anyway. If she's not still ranked, um, Lupi Godinez is on the card as well. Raul Rosas against Terence Mitchell. That's a, an interesting matchup. Uh, kind of. You see, you see, Raul Rosas is a minus five fifty favorite. That is a bit. Really? Oh, you know, after his last performance, I wouldn't be. I wouldn't be too sure about putting yeah. any money on putting him in any accumulators anyway. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, Kevin Holland and Jack Della Maddalena is a bit of a banger in the goal man event. I think that's a tough matchup for uh, for Kevin Holland, to be honest, but we'll we'll see how that goes. Uh, and then Alexa Grasso and Valentina Shevchenko in the main event. Obviously, the lads will have the full breakdown of this in the preview show, but I'm very interested in this Grasso-Shevchenko fight. I love, I love when, you, you know, we, we talked about should easily get the rematch and all of that, but I love when people who are long-reigning, like, champions who have dominated like a GSP or like an Anderson or even an Usman maybe like Shevchenko was obviously that Nunes was obviously that when they lose and then they have to come back like was it like Nunes you know she had an off night maybe it was you know Nunes has only fought once or twice since and, and that looked I suppose amazing but um what was it an off night or what what was it like what what happened why did you lose um and we get to see it immediately here for Shevchenko in the rematch against Grasso. And I'm just fascinated to see what happens. Like, I think, I think Shevchenko will be able to adjust and I think she will be able to win, but who knows? We, we, you know, you mentioned it earlier on, Graham, about the, the champions, I suppose, extra 30% they get when they become the champion. Uh, and if that is the case here, it's probably going to be an even better fight than the last and one. And it breaks the momentum of the champion as well. That kind of yeah. unbeatable feeling that kind of grows and grows. Do you, you think, know, uh, do you think it'll be Grasso's fight so to take? Yeah, like I'm leaning Grasso, but it's it's. I wouldn't be surprised at all if Shevchenko could make minor adjustments and and win rounds. But if, I I wasn't too impressed with her against uh, Talia Santos either. If it was just the Alexo Grasso uh, kind of hiccup, I'd be kind of more more confident in Shevchenko. But yeah, I'm just leaning uh, towards Alexa Grasso here. Um, sometimes style matchups are are just hard to overcome and. As you said, uh, you know, there the, the the confidence is probably with Grasso here as well. She looked like n- very nervous coming into the first fight. Um, even though she won, she looked very nervous um, and was able to overcome that. I don't think she'll be as nervous this time. And, you know, sometimes it, it, the nerves kind of, once you're in there and you're fighting, they go away. But 
uh, I think the the kind of pressure is more on Shevchenko now. It's it's a, it's a different situation that she, that she's not really used to in recent in recent years. So yeah, this is a real it's a real toss up. I, I'm leaning Grasso, but by the time the fight comes around, I, I I could I could be swinging the other way. Yeah, I think I'm just about leaning Shevchenko. I need to go back and, and watch the fight, and we will do that. Maybe we can uh, hop on and talk a little bit more about her anything later on in the week. But I uh, I seem to remember like Shevchenko was winning the fight. Um and Grasso kind of turned around and got got the late uh, got the late finish and things, but yeah, I just I'm I'm interested to see. Right, so Shevchenko, what she's really good at is, um, I suppose controlling the rhythm of fights, and she wasn't able to do that towards this, obviously the second half of that fight, or obviously towards the end. But if she control control that rhythm throughout the fight, and if she can get kind of Grasso, um out of her jabbing and her own control game I think I think it is there for the winner for Shishinko but like the opposite of that is also true if if Grasso can get her jabbing game going and can take Shishinko out of it then it's there for her as well but I I, I still yeah, believe I think, I think Grasso had won one of the first couple of rounds had she not yeah she did yeah. Well, yeah. well it wasn't like Shishinko's blown her away or anything but I think she was uh, she was ahead I'll, I'll have to go back and watch it as I said but yeah I'm I'm really looking forward to this I'm looking forward to seeing um Seeing the adjustments that are made and seeing uh, seeing who wins. So yeah, we will uh, we will leave it there. Thank you to everybody for tuning in. If you haven't already, please sign up over on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash Severe My Podcast. It is only a fiver a month, um, and yeah, you get stuff there. Also, if you would like some beautiful face stuff. Go to calderalab.com, get twenty percent off with the promo code Severe MMA. And if you don't want to spend any money. You can just hit the subscribe button here. You can go to severemed.com, check out loads of stuff. Go over and subscribe to the Old Triangle. Uh, click subscribe on our YouTube. Shout out to everyone. Oh, yeah, a couple of things. We passed 30,000 subscribers on YouTube, which is fucking massive for us. Uh, thank you to everyone who has subscribed. Also, yeah, we did it without any clickbaity, yeah. bullshitty, no bullshit. fake newsy. Obviously, 30,000 isn't, 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 you know, 100,000 or isn't a million like you see on some others, but. You know, it's the the real stuff, the the no bullshit stuff. So it's good to it's good to hit that milestone. Finally, be it'd be nice to, if uh, anybody listening who who hasn't subscribed, just go to severemay.com forward slash YouTube and check out our, our videos and subscribe if you like it, and, and hit the no- notification bell if you want to get a uh, updates on when when we uh, put up all our shows and interviews and you know uh, mini documentaries. Indeed, and uh, August, Graham. I don't know if you know this, but August was the highest number of listeners to the Severe May podcast in any month ever. So, fair play to everyone for uh, for tuning in. You're a great bunch, and uh, we couldn't do it without you. So, fair play to every single one of you out there. Right, we leave it there. Follow me at Sean Ba. On, uh, on Twitter, follow Graham at Severe May, at Severe May Pod as well if you have questions. The Q&A will be out on Wednesday. If you have any questions for that, head on over to Patreon, sign up there, and you can send in a question. I will answer it. And uh, Graham, take us out on your quote of the week. This whole damn world could fall apart. You'll be okay. Follow your heart. You're in harm's way. I'm right behind. Now say your mind. I'm colorblind. Is that, that sounded like a Ricky Gervais. Uh... You've got the music in you. <laughs> Have I? Okay. Right, we'll see you all next week, lads. Good luck.